You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back, folks. We're hour number two. Uh, this is America's Web Radio, and you listen. You are listening to On Point with Victor. I am Victor Armendariz. Uh, look, I've got some guests this hour, and we'll get right to it. I do have a few more things that I'm going to say because, you know, you can't shut me up. Um, but I wanted real quick to bring in uh, Ryan real quick. You are with the Eugene U campaign, and he's running for District 7 uh, for United States Congress. Uh, just real quick, tell us a little bit about Eugene and, and why people should go out and vote for him in District 7. And if you're familiar, those of you out there in District 7, this is Rob Woodall's uh, previous seat. So Rob Woodall's retiring, so we're running for an open seat. Eugene is running as a Republican. Also, I'm Ryan. I'm the communications director, so I handle you know all that social media, advertising videos, all that stuff. I all make the fun these, stuff. Yeah, all the very fun because I'm good at that stuff. Yeah. I'm young, and uh, Eugene is running as a conservative Republican. So you know we're for a smaller government, like we'll live the American dream without the government getting in the way, cut these regulations that hurt small businesses most of all, um, and you know lower taxes as well. Probably it might even want to pass a balanced budget amendment. Or something like Boy, that would be lines. something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one idea we also want is uh, some type of term limits, something like that, to, in order mm-hmm. to stop these uh, corrupt career politicians. Because Eugene is uh, new to politics. He's not a career politician. He's not trying to make money off of this. He already, you know, has his own. He's set what's, up. what's his background? His background is, uh, so he came here from Korea about, I would say, 50 years ago. He's when he was in, like, around high school age. Um, he moved to Augusta, Georgia. And so he's been in Georgia ever since. And uh, he uh, was a volunteer firefighter in high school and then he went and served in Korea for the US Army as a military policeman so that was in- I think that's interesting for him reading his book uh, nice. talking about the dynamics of you know Koreans don't trust him but somewhat because he has the American flag on him but Americans don't trust him because he looks Korean but he had to, so I think you've learned a lot of so uh, yeah, he had to navigate yeah, a lot of uh, disputes kind of, there. Yeah, from yeah. from his own side, and then his yeah, so, very interesting. So when he came back to uh, Georgia, you know, he he wanted to you know become a firefighter again, and uh, but he had to wait, you know, because the hiring cycles. So he's met the sh- he saw the sheriff, and the sheriff said, "Tomorrow morning, nine a.m., you're hired." So he was deputy sheriff in Richmond County for I think wow. six seven years after that. So he has a lot of law enforcement experience, um, and then he was a salesman for the Cummings Engine Company, selling um, uh, the diesel company. Yeah, yeah, I think he said his first sale was. Some was a huge amount of d- new diesel engines. He sold to some guys in Korea. They were like, "You're Korean. You go talk to them." And yeah. he said, "He said the commission on that one was more than his entire salary for the year." So he was like, "I like this." Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he did that for a while. And, so, and then, then um, the Cummings Engine Company. I think it was Cummings Engine Company or some higher up company that might have merged with. They were going to um, close down some plant in somewhere in, around Augusta or somewhere around Richmond County, there, that part of Georgia, East Georgia. They were going to close down because they just didn't like it. It was. Um, I think it was selling refurbished military vehicles, stuff like Humvees. Stuff mm-hmm. like that to uh, our allies, not our enemies, obviously. Right. Other countries that we yeah. want to help. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Eugene was like, "Well, why don't I, I buy it?" So he and his wife bought it over, and they took it over and grew it to about four hundred employees, helping provide them many jobs. So oh, now awesome. 
now he wants to run for Congress because he's done everything else and he wants to help out and uh, he's living the American dream. Came to this country, naturalized, all well, that. That's the way it should be, you know. Mm-hmm. There, that's the great thing about this country, about how just like that, someone and just like my father came here and, and like uh, Eugene came here, not only can they succeed, then they can actually get into government. I mean, show me another country that that's. Uh, it just doesn't work like it does here, and and it, it's truly amazing. And well, that's that's a great story. Sounds like Eugene is a. You know, I actually did see Eugene. Uh, he spoke at one of the rallies I spoke at, and uh, I really liked a lot of what he said. And uh, I hope that uh, I, I'm not. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I ask all candidates if they if they will get behind the fair tax. Oh yeah, or the consumption uh, yeah. tax. Uh, I mean, it was written. By, it was written by uh, John Linder. Right. I mean, yeah, obviously we're we're all for fair tax, which would obviously you know lower. T- we're trying to lower taxes on you know the m- most people, trying to you know help out everyone with you know not having to worry about sp- sending so much money to the IRS. And right. we're all for small government. And fair tax is a, per- is a perfect right. example of that. Oh, well, perfect. Well, folks, in case you didn't couldn't get. Yes, uh, it is voting day here in Georgia, and uh, so if you're out there, if you're in, gosh, let's see, District 7 is a lot of Gwinnett. It's, yeah, it's most of Gwinnett and most of Forsyth. And Forsyth. I would and say. If you're out there, then you're going to want to, you know, give Eugene uh, a look at, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't do too many, uh, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, let's put it that way. I will sometimes. <laughs> but... Uh, but get out there and give him a look because we need somebody good in District 7. You know, uh, Woodall almost lost that seat in 18. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to need somebody who's not afraid to st- – A, it's not afraid to stand up for what's right. B, not afraid to stand up and say, hey, Trump's economy is awesome. What Trump's doing policy is great. You know, we need somebody who's not afraid to say it. And, and from what I remember from Eugene, I don't think he's going to be afraid yeah. to say it. And hopefully we'll be able to get him on the show soon. Um, and yeah. Juan here was helping us out with waving signs today. So, uh, Excellent. So, yeah, so That's perfect. That sounds good, Ryan. All right, thanks for stopping by. Definitely. Um, so I want to get into a few things. We're going to get back on this um, a little bit on with what's going on today with with what the Black Lives Move Black Lives Matter move, movement has become. Because, like folks, like I mentioned in the first hour, if you go look up their website, uh, they have an agenda. And and maybe some of the people out there are really protesting in the name of George Floyd to make things better. But a lot of this Black Lives Movement is a political movement. And if you just go to their website, folks, don't take it from me. Go look it up and do your own research. Uh, before you go running around and kowtowing to a Black Lives Matter mob, uh, before you go kneel somewhere, uh, go look up what they stand for. It's on their website. Uh, they even admit to wanting to dismantle the what they call the Western nuclear family. Uh, basically, what they're saying is they want to... In my opinion, do what the Democrat Party has already been doing for years, which is dismantle the the black culture, dismantle the black family, and and it's right there on Black Lives Matter. I mean, folks, they don't want families. They don't want a unit, a family unit. They don't want kids learning from their parents. They want a village, and I know you've heard that before, but they really do. They want to dismantle the whole family unit so that there's a massive mob. There's a group think. There's mob think. Uh, the parents shouldn't teach you. The leaders of the mob should teach you. Uh, or the parents shouldn't teach the kids. The leaders of the mob should teach the kids. This is the kind of stuff that's going on there. So uh, I'm not making this up, folks. You can go look it up and do your own reading. And since I mentioned the, the, the kneeling, l- let me say... Let me say this real quick. Just let me make... Let me be perfectly, perfectly clear here. Uh, those of you know, I'm, I'm of Mexican-Spanish descent, but I'm an American first. 
And never, ever, once, ever, 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 ever will I kneel for any man. Uh, if I'm going to kneel, it's going to be for the cross or it's going to be for God Almighty himself. That's it. So if you're a part of the mob and you think you're going to come to one of my uh, events where I'm speaking or somewhere and you think you're going to get me to kneel, <laughs> you got another thing coming. Because this red-blooded American doesn't kneel for any man. Period. Uh, so now that I got that off my chest, I do want to... So I've got a guest here. Those of you who are watching live, you'll see over to my left. Uh, uh, I So... What's your Juan and your last name? Bajona. Bajona. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Juan, I, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but just so the listeners know, so I not too long ago I did a speech at a rally, and you were you were there, and you mm-hmm. were watching the, the speeches, and uh, you came up to me afterwards, mm-hmm. and you kind of related to me b- based on the story that I had. Uh, so introduce yourself, and, and let's let's get into a little bit of who Juan is. Uh, so, I am Juan Bayona. Uh, I'm, a fr- I'm a freshman. Uh, I'm a freshman uh, over by Forsyth County. Uh, I'm working with Eugene, uh, also Joe Prophet for the six for the sixth uh, congressional district. So okay. two campaigns. I know Joe Prophet well. Yeah, and then in November I'll be working for uh, Miss Josie Cruz. But oh, okay. she, since she ha- doesn't have a primary, so right. she, you know, I'll get in touch touch with her in November. But uh, I play football. Uh, I do wrestling and track, so plenty of sports. And uh, I'm a very political person. And when you told your story, I did very much relate to it, and mm-hmm. it kind of gave me an inspiration because I like to see people living the American dream, mm-hmm. and it kind of gives, and you know, me being 15, it kind of gives me hope for, you know, what I could achieve. And I know that's what I can achieve because this, I mean, after all, this is American. I've read plenty of books, like, I mean, like Andrew Carnegie, who's an Irish immigrant, he became one of the richest men in American history. Why don't more 15-year-olds read that? Yeah. <laughs> so you're 15 years old. What mm-hmm. high school do you go to? I go to Denmark High School. Okay. So... You're a 15-year-old, normal teenager. Mm-hmm. How how do you navigate being more of the conservative side? Because I know when, when I was in college many years ago, um, I, I experienced two different worlds. I, I, I the, the, the left, the Democrats would always assume, because I'm Hispanic, they assumed that immediately that I was a Democrat and must be a, a liberal Democrat. Yeah. And when I would tell them, mm, I'm kind of independent, because even at that time in college, I, I wasn't so much conservative as I was independent-minded thinking. Um, so for you, how do you navigate it right now? Because it's so crazy right now with the youth. You guys are being targeted yeah. uh, by leftist groups everywhere. Um, so how do you navigate going, you know, being, uh, are your friends conservative or do they make fun of you or... Uh, so, uh, I have a, I have a mixed group of friends. Uh, so I'm obviously friends with, I don't, I'm, I don't discriminate, so I'm friends with just about anybody. Mm-hmm. I judge them by their character, not by the color of the skin. Excellent. So most of the, my friends that happen to be men are conservative, but most of the women who happen to be friends with tend to align themselves, like either center or left. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way it is. But I've had plenty of experiences where I've been, uh, sort of either discriminated or just because of my, uh, of my political affiliation. Like I've had, for my birthday, for my 14th birthday, I got a pair of, uh, Trump socks, and I used to wear them uh-huh. a lot. And one day I decided to wear shorts with them into my social studies class, and my teacher, you know, she looked at me funny and she kind of questioned what I was doing that she kind of she had this face of, I, I had you know a third eye or something she probably looked at you as if how dare you have that kind of opinion or your own opinion exactly but I've also had teachers congratulate me on it and teachers agree with me and it kind of just and it kind of just gets mixed and I've had I mean I've had students tell me like I've had my fellow, my former peers, uh, tell me that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't like Trump because I was Latino and that because he was, Latino. yeah, and he was and that he was a racist and that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I had a, for example, at the rally, you know, if you remember the big RV with the big right, Trump, the big Trump, I took a picture of it. I didn't post it on my Instagram. My fr- my friend Sam did, and he he tagged me on it, and you know, 
uh, people screenshotted it, posted it on Snapchat, made fun of us. Mm-hmm. They called us annoying. And I even had a girl, I had a kid in my grade tell me that I was annoying. And then I had a girl in the grade below me tell me that I was uneducated. And I know my facts. I follow plenty of accounts on Instagram. I keep updated with the news. Uh, I, I read Charlie Kirk and Shapiro, all of it. I read their books. I watch their videos. Prager you, all of it. So I know my facts. And in the, in the idea that somebody could... Um, so the idea that somebody could think that I was uneducated simply because of my political views, and, that, and I couldn't stand that. Not just your political views, because you have the audacity to disagree with them. Yeah. And, and for somebody to come up and tell you that you're uneducated when it's probably quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I, I, uh, I love it because I, I, I get the feeling that you probably don't get mad, that you probably just say, hey, if you want to dispute my facts, bring, bring, bring any debate to me. Um, and, and, I, and I will give you this bit of advice. If they start calling names or stuff, just walk away and say when you're ready to talk civilized and be educated then then come sit down with you mm-hmm. uh, because you're, you're probably if you haven't already you're going to be called all kinds of things uh, just because you have the audacity to not only be Latino and a Trump supporter but just to have your, your own thoughts and your own views and, you, and you've done your research and you've done what made you let me put it this way as a 15 year old kid because we don't see this a lot we don't see it enough what, what got you interested in politics well, I'm interested in politics. So, from a very from a very young start, uh, my grandfather uh, he was so I was born in Colombia. I'm a native born Colombian, but an American first. Uh, he he was an army engineer, and he ran for he ran for office. Uh, he didn't win. Wow. So, and my dad, you know, we, we're from a very cool political family. My dad, my my dad's side is very right wing. Uh, so I was raised that way. But when he first moved here, uh, my dad, you know, he couldn't vote at first, but he considered himself a Democrat because he watched the news and he used to work. He used to work for LA, and so he used to, you know, rub elbows with people. And he used to, you know, he he used to, you know, it, people told him, you know, you have to like Democrats because you know that's what they align with. And he he's a yeah he's a strong and but he's a strong Catholic regardless. My family we're strong Catholics, mm-hmm. and he eventually came to the realization it's like, and he you know, in the Bible you know we we conservatives we mostly disagree with uh, you know same sex marriage mm-hmm. and that's an issue. But and my dad kind of realized he said, so I'm a Catholic, but I can't, but I, I don't think it makes sense for me to identify with the party that wants to destroy the church, wants to make abortion completely legal, and 100% supports same-sex marriage. So he switched, wow. and I think it's one of the best decisions he's ever, he's ever made. Uh, I've never faced discrimination from like a Republican in, in of itself. I used to play football over in the north. I mean, every I mean, my practices look like an episode of Duck Dynasty, <laughs> and I never once faced an inch of discrimination. Wow. Never once from anybody, and I've gone to plenty of Republican rallies that have felt intimidating at first because you see the stereotype as like white people. Mm-hmm. Everyone you think, oh, goodness, I mean, I'm going to get discriminated against. I'm going to get looked at funny, and I haven't been welcomed with anything than open arms. But open arms, yeah. But uh, what made what made me Republican? Um. It was definitely my dad. It was definitely my friend Sam because we we built an interest an interest first on history and then economics and eventually politics. And I realized, you know, as if, as if, when when Trump first ran, I was like, he's a racist. He, CNN, all my peers, all my teachers, that's what they all saw, and that's mm-hmm. what I saw. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, I grew and I was like, and I kind of just realized that's that's what I align with. That's mm-hmm. what my family aligns with. That's mm-hmm. what my values are. Well, I tell people all the time, you don't have to like Trump the person, but you can't deny his policies. Yeah. And if your if your goal is to truly help the most Americans you can, the the help the American people. If your goal is to help poor people, then policy ought to matter first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump has done more through his policies has done more for the black culture and the black movement or, or the black lives, let's say, than any president before him. Yeah. Uh, and including when and, and I can include Hispanics in there. 
when when policies open up the door for Hispanics like yourself, your father, your grandfather, my father, me, um, when when the doors are open for us to go reach out and get it, if we're just willing to put the sweat equity to the ground, no Democrat could stop us, you know, or no Republican could stop us. Um, and that's the lesson that I learned from my father. It sounds like that's the lesson you've learned from yours. Um, and for me, it's not always about being Republican because there there are a lot, there's an establishment side to the Republican Party. So you'll hear me refer a lot of the times to I'm a conservative, constitution, independent-minded, freedom-loving, liberty-loving person. Um, does that mean I vote Republican pretty much all the time? Yep. But it also means I'll vote Libertarian when 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 I can if I don't see a, the right person because I do believe – you know, you said it before. Judge people by the character, yeah. And that's what we ought to do with all politicians. Um, but I, I, I Juan, I, I mean, it's it's great because I'm seeing a lot in you that I saw, you know, when I grew up. Because I did the same. You know, I grew up pretty much here in Georgia, and and different areas of the South. And you know, I I, I was always in different, whether it be an event, a sporting event, or something like that. I never really experienced any kind of uh, of systemic racism, uh, and nothing like that. And and I love that I'm hearing that from you. And uh, and one of my questions to you was going to be: Have you been to other Trump rallies, uh, type rallies, or Republican rallies? And if you have, did you ever once have a Republican or a so-called Republican come up to you and say, "What are you doing here?" or give you a hard time? Now I wasn't able to I wasn't able to make it to the uh, official Trump rally in Georgia when he was running in 2016. Mm-hmm. I will very hopefully go this year. Right. But the the closest I ever got to Trump was um, he when he when he came for one of the official Blexit meetings. You remember that traffic was really bad in Atlanta because Trump right. was in town. Yeah. And uh, I went to Dobbins Air Force Base. I dressed my best, and I gre- I, I greeted him. I pers- I was five Did feet away from really? Governor wow. Kemp for Governor from Kemp. Governor Kemp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I just, I just, he just waved at him. You know, he was kind of just waving at us. I took pictures, and but no, not once did I have a bad interaction. Like mil- there were military members. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more minorities at that event than I thought. It's, there was, right. there was a, a guy dressed in a trench coat, and I think, you know, we were in the bathroom. And I kind of just, and we just kind of joked a little bit because I, I kind of co- complimented his outfit. He complimented mine, but that's, that was a very positive experience. I didn't have anybody look look at me funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody look at me weird. Just, I've never faced any discrimination from anybody, and not no systematic racism. I've, I'm just as bright as the next kid in line. Exactly, and you know that, and you've got that confidence. Yeah. And you know, and and the thing about it is. Like 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 you said, and like I say all the time, I'm, Ameri- I'm an American first. You know, an American doesn't mean what skin color you are. An American is, do you hold the ideals of the United States, uh, which are freedom, liberty, independence? Uh, that's what we stand for. And as Americans, I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, brown, whatever. If you have those ideals, what a great place this is to be. And and even for the ones who want to cause trouble, you know what? They're protected by the Constitution as long as they do it peacefully. There's no other country that has a document that restricts government, and and that's what we have, and that's what makes you know there there is something to American exceptionalism, and and you're speaking to it even just from your experiences, and you're only 15, and and that that to me speaks volumes of this country, and. It pains me when I see I've got Latino friends who are they're so married to the letter D and they're so convinced that Trump is and and honestly if it wasn't Trump no matter who what Republican it is they're going to feel the same way mm-hmm. 
In fact, I will predict to you right now, after Trump's next four years, whether it's Nikki Haley or um, uh, Mike Pence, uh, no matter who the Republican is, it could be Condoleezza Rice. And who they're going to get the same treatment that Trump got. That is today's Democrat Party. They don't want to be in an arena of ideas. They want to be in, we have power, you don't, you shut up, you go home. Uh, that's just, that's the world that we live in. But because of people like you who aren't afraid to say, hey, look, I, I, I can stand up for freedom, I can stand up for liberty, and, I, and, and I'm not afraid, that's awesome. And the fact that you're going – see, I had the same experience. Whenever I go to a, a Trump rally or anything like that, I am welcomed with absolute open arms. Um, I've never had anyone turn to me and go, you're brown. You should be over in the other camp. Never. But I have been to Tem- Democrat events where they look at me and go, how dare you come here if you don't agree with us? And they want to shut me out. Yeah. And. So what I would tell you, one, is when your friends, if you have friends that start to give you a hard time, then uh, just just put it back on them. Ask them why are they so close-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't they supposed to be the party of open-mindedness? Yeah. Um, so I would, I would tell you to tell them that. But uh, I also think, one, it's great because you mentioned before, even when Trump came on the scene, you were told – everybody was telling you he was racist. And I got the same thing. And for me – I went right back at him and said, well, where's your evidence? Because if you if, – and this is something you might want to tell your friends. If you look at Donald Trump before he ran for president, he was loved by the media. He was adored by yeah. the Hollywood crowd uh, because he was a New York Democrat. He had to play ball with the Democrats because that's who runs the city. And uh, they loved him then. But all he did was run and had the audacity to say, I want to make America great again. Uh, I want to create – I want to give, create the environment to where everyone can have a job. And he did it. And he said, I want to bring manufacturing back. And he did it. But yet the Democrats call that racist. So maybe, maybe in some of your debates or anything, ask people, well, tell them to define racism because yeah, I bet they can't do it. Uh, and then they will always cite, oh, well, he said all Mexicans are bad. He never said all Mexicans are bad. Yeah. yeah he talked about a bad element. Yeah, and then um, maybe they'll bring in Charleston saying, you know, there's fine people on both sides, but he was really not referring to that. You know, to take it out of context, he was referring to the statue debate where we have, right. like, great American heroes like Robert E. Lee, mm-hmm. who himself even didn't want to fight in the Confederacy, but found himself having to because but having to. he was a Virginian. Right. And he put, because back then the South put their states first. Well, you know, I. <laughs> You are very well read, I can tell. And there's nothing better than somebody who knows the history of this country. And, and one, the point you just made is a point that I've tried to get across. When, when you look – and just the other day, I think it was in Minneapolis where they, they tore down a Robert – or it may have been Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry. It was in Virginia mm-hmm. because the governor came out – you know, blackface governor who apparently he can get away with wearing blackface yep. um, and also wants to kill babies when they're born. But that's a whole other topic. But this governor uh, put through and wrote an executive order or who knows what to pull down as a statue of Robert E. Lee. And you put it better than probably any liberal could even dream of because you understand history. Robert E. Lee wasn't about slavery. Robert E. Lee was about I'm an American and I'm a Virginian because you are correct. If you look back in the early days of this country – it meant something to have statehood. And 
you were an American, we could all stand together as an Americans, but we would all stand for our states. And Robert E. Lee was a Virginian, and he was he was an all the guy was a good leader. He really was, and he he was a good strategist, and he was. He, he he took the road that he had to take. Even though he, if you read enough in the history, he didn't he didn't want to fight for slavery because what a lot of people don't understand is the Civil War wasn't fought just for slavery. Yeah. There was a lot more. The, the really the big war was to keep this country together, and everybody wants to frame it as oh it was the it was slavery it was the people who wanted slavery against the people who didn't want slavery, and that's not exactly true. In fact, if you really do your research, which you probably already have. There were northern slave owners, yeah. just as there were southern slave owners. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference was the northern elitist would create, uh, for lack of a better term, elitism within their slavery. And it, it's very strange, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where I tell people all the time to go do research. And that's one thing that they should do um, because there's a lot more to the Civil War. And, and to tear down these, these statues – see, I – as, as a Hispanic or brown guy or minority, um, I don't have a problem with – we should never forget history, Juan, because what happens if we forget and not learn from history? And you're doomed to repeat it. You're doomed to repeat it. And and we can't uh, – unfortunately, we're seeing that unfold now. We're seeing um, a movement now that's turned into a mob movement where they want to defund police officers. What are they going to do? You know, Juan, let's say your house – you live with your parents – and let's say somebody uh, breaks into your house. Who do they expect you to call after they take away your Second Amendment? So you you see how the liberals work. Uh, so, but Juan, this is this is awesome. So tell me, what do you want to do going forward, or, or what kind of impact do you want to have on not just your community, but let's say on the whole? So, I mean. I'm really, you know, I'm really interested in politics, so I'll keep working on Eugene's campaign and a lot of campaigns from here going forward. Um, as of my, as of at least for my community, I plan, you know, community service seems like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also working on the Trump election campaign, so I make phone calls, you know, day, right, almost daily. And you know, for my, as I, and again for my community, my high school, um, you know, there's there's student chapters for conservatives, like you know, there's TPUSA oh, and wow. also YAF, which is for high schoolers mm-hmm. more than anything. And I plan on opening one of those for my high school if, if it's not open by next year, so that you know awesome. I can help young conservatives, you know, find mm-hmm. themselves and you know make people that you know they're kind of on the fence, you know, mm-hmm. maybe realize that they're conservative, not conservative, and it's just I'm trying to help people. Become, not be as close-minded, you know? Awesome. Like, I have kids, I, have, I had a kid put on a social media, he said, uh, unadd me or unfriend me if you don't, if you're not, if you're a Republican or a Trump supporter. <laughs> and I kind of said, when did we become so close-minded? Well, you know what? Hold that thought, because I want to get into a little bit about close-mindedness uh, when we get back from this break. So stay tuned. You're listening to America's Web Radio. This is On Point with Victor. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. My 
My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. <laughs> Sorry, folks. This is live radio, and sometimes I get occupied. Actually, I'm getting such good response from you guys. I, I love you listeners. I can't tell you enough. And in fact, uh, one, we've got some great listeners down in Daytona, and they've sent me a message already saying that uh, they're they're about ready to vote for you. So, <laughs> so, hey, you know, speaking of which, do you have any aspirations to run down the road uh, for office? Yeah, you know, I'm just one that with my military career, and I established a name for myself in business. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. That's, that's the plan. So you're looking to join the military? Yes, sir. Oh, that is great. Both, my, All three of my nephews are National Guardsmen. So, excellent. All right. Okay, so I've got one here, so we're going to keep one here throughout the, uh, the rest of the show. But also, uh, on the phone right now, on this election day, probably calling me from some uh, intersection somewhere, uh, Harold Dennis. Is, uh, are you on the line? Hey, Victor. How are you, sir? Hey, good, Harold. I'm so glad you were able to call in. So I got a couple of things. Uh, so first of all, uh, folks, if you're out there and you're in DeKalb County, Harold Dennis is running for sheriff uh, for DeKalb County, and that voting is going on today. So get out there and vote and pull that lever for Harold Dennis. Harold, what's your message right now to those voters going to the polls? My message for the voters going to the polls right now is wear something cool, carry an umbrella because it is hot, and be prepared to stand in long, long lines in DeKalb County. Um, they've had quite some technical difficulties this morning with the voting machines. Mm. Um, so the lines are long. It is hot and very humid. And please uh, dehydrate, dehydrate and, and take water with you. It's going to be a long wait. Um, the one precinct that I'm at, that Rita Ann Elementary School, um, the voters are saying it's taking them three and a half hours just to vote. Wow. Wow. Well, boy, I hope that... Uh all of them are there on behalf of Harold Dennis. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, I hope they get great news this evening after um, 7 o'clock after the polls closed, um, saying that there is 
um, the new sheriff in uh, in town, in and town. Then Carol Dennis is going to be the new sheriff in and, and and never have uh, we needed uh, we needed a new sheriff more for DeKalb County. And folks, you 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 guys out there that are listening, because I uh, Harold, we've got listeners all over the country, and let me clue them in real quick in case they haven't figured out. Uh, Harold Dennis is a black man. <laughs> And he is running uh, for sheriff, and and it should be nonpartisan, which I should say, because you know, uh, as a sheriff, Harold, you're going to treat Democrats and Republicans the same, are you not? Yeah, yeah. So, um, should I win, I will make history um, in DeKalb County by being the the first uh, Republican sheriff ever elected in DeKalb County. Wow. Uh, so I'm looking to um, not just uh, make history, but to do great things in DeKalb County building economic development, economic growth in the county, uh, making the county safe, uh, starting programs for the youth to get them out of gangs and productive citizens back um, in society, back in the capital. Well, that is, that's great to hear. And, you know, one thing that I've always liked about you, Harold, is the platform that you create. I think people just don't realize the, 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 the effects that a, a sheriff can have on a community. You know, people just think law enforcement. But your platform is so awesome to me because you you really give thought to how we can help the youth. In fact, I have uh, Juan sitting in with me, uh, who is a guest today. He's 15 years old, and he's conservative, and we've been talking about He's from Colombia, and we're talking about how being Hispanic and being um, conservative, you know, we get a lot of pushback. And, Harold, I know you've gotten pushback. And, again, you said yourself you'll make history by being the first black Republican uh, elected sheriff for DeKalb County. And, and I, I hope that happens because these, these are the, the roads that we need to pay for the future. Oh, Harold, you there? Yes, can, uh, can you hear me, Victor? Oh, I got you now. I got you now. So, so Harold, yes, I do want to. I do want to get. Um, I do want to get your opinion on something because your background. You have a lot of background in law enforcement, and what's yes. going on right now with uh, with cities Democrats calling for defunding of the police in cities. Um, Harold, give me your opinion on on what do you see? What could be what could be a effect if we were to defund police departments? Um, it, it's it's funny that you say that about the defunding of the police. Um, I was having a, um, a great conversation um, just out here at the precinct as one of the um, constituents uh, was walking over and they came over to speak to me, asking me about the defunding of the police. Um, I think personally, and also from a law enforcement background, and um, that defunding the police would be a horrible, horrible thing to do. Um, because that means you have no police protecting um, the citizens of the of the county. Um, yes, that service would now fall on the sheriff, but if you're defunding, first of all, the law enforcement officers of today are already un, underpaid, mm-hmm. uh, being in the profession that they're in. And um, so that's first and foremost. But please don't let a few bad apples mm-hmm. spoil it for the whole bunch of apples that who are out there, they put their lives on the line every day to, to, to save citizens and protect the citizens of the counties in which they serve. Um, so defunding the police department would be a horrible thing. Um, I really think that you just should um, have a great background in recruiting and continue to do um, investigations on your officers and send them for a yearly mental evaluation um, as opposed to defunding a whole police department or our county sheriff's office. 
Well, Harold, you said it best. We don't need to to descend into complete chaos because of a few bad apples. I mean, Harold, there are millions of police officers across this country, and I venture to say that 98% of them or 99% of them are good people. <laughs> Daryl's on the ground. I mean, Harold's on the ground there. But, Harold, um, if if we move to defund, where who are people going to call? And and I think that's the question that, that people need to ask Democrats. Who do they think is going to police the streets or respond to robberies or things like that? I mean, Harold, what 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 would your answer be to that? Well, my answer to that is if, uh, if anyone ever seen the movie The Purge, just think about that. If you haven't seen it, go out and just, you can um, see it. I think it's on YouTube now. But if you just look at that movie, uh, what do you think this society be, would be without a lawless uh, society? Just everyone taking a law in their own hands. I mean, when someone does something to you and I want operator, just tell you, all oh, just pray about it. Hopefully it'll work itself out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. So defunding the police department would be a, a horrible thing and a terrible thing to do. And I'm totally against defunding the police. It's about training, 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 right. and having a great background and investigation unit to investigate these few bad apples. You know, one thing that's awesome, too, Harold, about you and your campaign is you often talk about what training means and you go beyond that you want you want i I, i'm pretty sure i've heard you call for extra training as well as mental evaluation so that you can weed out bad apples right well see that's the kind of we definitely we definitely need to um weed out the bad apples and um and just make certain that you have a great like i said background investigation unit one for the new incoming officers Uh, Make sure you have a great internal affairs unit to investigate any and every allegation that comes into the police department. And also having the the citizen review board, Mm -hmm. have them um, activated as well to work alongside with your uh, top-level staff to investigate these complaints that come in from the, the community. So that way you get the community involved working with the sheriff's office or any police department for that matter. Absolutely. And, and and that's just another reason why we're we're going to have to uh, elect uh, Harold Dennis today. <laughs> but uh, I, Harold, I wanted to ask you something else. Uh, as as we see what's happening now, the the mobs that are that are out there and the people that are calling for defunding uh, the police departments, and they they're they're using I. I I hate the fact that they're trying to create racial division because they're trying to use a, a say, Black Lives Matter movement to to get to defund police and, they're, and to get to a lawless society. Harold, just this uh, Sunday in Chicago, an 18-year-old young black man was shot and killed. Uh, and his girlfriend in the car with him was also shot, and she, sur- she survived. How come there's no outcry for this young man? And 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 I'll go beyond that. The week- okay, you you were you were bring- one more time, sir. Oh, uh, sorry, I, about- I heard about the black lives matter. So um, and bear bear with us, folks, because we're on a we're on a cell phone and Daryl's and Harold's out campaigning, so um, or at least out cheering uh, for the voters. Um, what I was saying, Harold, is we have the city of Chicago where on Sunday an 18-year-old black man was shot and killed in his car. 
and his girlfriend was ki- was shot also. She survived. But the 18-year-old uh, young black man was shot in the head. Where's the outcry for him? So this is my problem with the so-called Black Lives Movement. If, if all lives matter, which they should, where is the outcry for the violence that's going on in Chicago? Oh, I think I think we're having a bad connection with with Harold. Harold, can you hear me? Oh, I think we've got a bad one there. So we well, let me let me go back to Juan here. So Juan, when you see something that that's going on in Chicago, like it's going on, you're 15. You know, this guy was three years older than you, and was just sitting in his car and was shot in the head. Um, so when you see things like that that's going on in Chicago, and there's no outcry. There's no there's no march going on in his name or anything like that. So what do you think when there's a movement like this that's going on trying to convince you that you need to kneel in front of them when they're not? Uh, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think they're really for all lives matter, and, and why shouldn't we be? I think what it's, I think what they're fighting for is the systematic. I mean, if you guys, you, you viewers can't see my quotation marks, but it's the yeah. systematic oppression of systematic, uh, you're right. colored people, and it, they're they're people being killed by cops, and though that's a hundred percent, you know, a travesty that people that that mm-hmm. does happen. But again, all lives matter. Black lives do matter. Mm-hmm. But it's just you can't you can't fight for an area and leave the other one untouched. You know what I mean? Right. And exactly. Just, and with when it comes to gang violence such as Chicago, it's a it's the taking out of of you know religion. Mm-hmm. It's the destruction of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And, for example, I mean, Chicago and, you know, uh, Houston, I think, have the same exact populations. But, you know, the, the gun ownership in Houston is a lot higher because, you know, people are just, you know, Christian there. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, the families matter. Fathers don't build out on their kids when they get a, when they get a girl pregnant. Right. Right? People, people carry in Texas. You know, that's what Texas is famous mm-hmm. for. But Chicago, yep. you carry, but it's just not necessarily, you know, the same, the same value. Well, and Chicago has some of the most stringent gun laws, yeah. anti-gun laws, let's just say. So if you are in Chicago... Uh, and and that mayor there is just an absolute. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to be nice, and I'm not even going to say what I want to say. Uh, but if you're a citizen of Chicago, you have no right to protect yourself. Um, they make it very hard for innocent Americans to protect themselves, even though there's a Second Amendment that gives them that right. But instead, they want to take it away from them. But they don't want to do anything about the crime, the criminals. You know, the criminal isn't going to care if there's a, a gun law. Uh, it's never going to stop them. And what we're seeing in Chicago, there were 85 people shot on the weekend of uh, May 31st. 85 people shot. Uh, and these are black people that are being shot, and, and it's black-on-black crime or whatever if you want to phrase it. And I don't see the movement uh, to go and say, hey, we need to do something about the, these deaths in Chicago. So this is my problem with the mob that's going on now because if if you're going to tell me that I need to defund a police department, then you better tell me why aren't you taking up for the innocent young black lives that are being lost every weekend in Chicago. And I'm not sure if we got Her- – Harold, are you still there? or Did you make it back on? Can you hear me, sir? Oh, I got you now, Harold. Perfect. Okay. So – Harold, what I was what I was getting to was was the fact that there's so much violence in Chicago, and yet there's there's not an outcry from Black Black Lives Matter. There's no uh, march going on in Chicago demanding that that uh, they they rid Chicago of all the crime. Um, in May 31st, there were 85 shootings uh, in Chicago, and just Sunday, an 18 year old young black man was shot in the head and killed. Um, 
so Harold, from from your point of view, um, how how can Chicago how can they do better, and what should they do different? Well, first of all, I guess with the Black Lives Matter, uh, you can't pick and choose what battles you're going to battle or mm-hmm. fight. If you stand for uh, equality for everyone, then when anything like this happens, then you need to be able to be there to speak out for all the cases, right. not just for, for one particular case. And I'm not doubting any case, because if we look at it, Victor, just right here in our own part of DeKalb County, uh, look at Anthony Hill, the, right. um, the, the military veteran with mm. PTSD, Right. Who was completely naked? He mm-hmm. had no weapon. He was just walking. Right, and the officer shot and killed him mm-hmm. in the back. So mm-hmm. you can't just pick and choose which battles you want to fight. You have to fight for everyone. Right. But as far as the violence, the black on black crime has to stop. Chicago is notorious for black on black crime, and we need to get with the superintendent of the police department of the Chicago PD and sit down and not just it's not just for the superintendent. We also need to reach out to our local leaders, our pastors, our churches in these areas to mm-hmm. get the local leaders involved. Mm-hmm. It takes a community to raise a child, but it also takes a community to help police the community. Well, that's absolutely right. Harold, man, thank you so much for calling in. We're, we're getting to the end of this segment here. Listen, good luck. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm really looking forward to being able to tomorrow to call you and say, uh, congratulations, Sheriff Harold Dennis. Thank so. you so much. Um, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak um, this afternoon. Um, definitely keep me in your prayers, and um, I look forward to being the new sheriff of DeKalb County and also having uh, Victor Armendariz <laughs> to come out and um, to work with me because if I'm going to do a great job in the county, I'm going to need some great people such as yourself. Um, to come along with me to help change DeKalb County and its culture. Uh, you are too kind, and it would be my honor. So thanks again so much, people. Go, everyone go out there and vote for Harold, and uh, we're going to be right back after these messages. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Want to give your family, our loved one, the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it, and you'll love having one yeah. in your shop. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, folks. Uh, it's been a um, it's been fun today. It's been a good show today, and I hope all you guys have enjoyed this. and And I hope you've enjoyed listening to Harold Dennis as he's out on the campaign trail. Um, it's really neat today, uh, being being election day. Uh, look, uh, according to uh, Michigan and Illinois and some uh, Minneapolis, according to those states and cities, uh, COVID nineteen has been cured. Uh, there must be a vaccine that I didn't hear about because now you can go march in the streets, no social distancing required. You know, let me mention this while I'm on it. If you're having trouble distinguishing between Democrats, Republicans, or, or, or conservatives, um, or if you just want to frame it in right-left, let me remind you of this. And, and one, you can pipe in any, if something strikes you. We just went through a few months... Uh, even still going on today in Michigan and Illinois and in uh, uh, New Jersey and New York, we've got Democrat governors, Democrat mayors who sent out the police. Now, 10 seconds ago, they were sending the police out to arrest business owners, to arrest uh, people who wanted to go to the gym. They were arresting people who wanted to go worship. 10 seconds ago, these Democrats were using the police department to go and arrest people. There's no law on the books to enforce social distancing. There's no law on the book to enforce mask wearing. Um, there is a thing called the Constitution that allows you to worship uh, and work, and but yet these Democrats, 10 seconds ago, were sending out the police force and making the police arrest people for going to work or trying to go to work or trying to work out or open a business or go to church. Now, today, they want to defund the police. They want to blame the police. And they want to allow no social distancing for marchers and looters and and pillagers and uh, mobs. No social distancing. Not everybody had a mask on. So so either COVID-19 has gotten real woke or it's just vanished. Now, understand this. You can't go to work. You can't go to the gym. You can't go worship. But you can go march in the street and call for the defunding of police departments. So somehow, am I to believe that COVID-19, the Wuhan virus, somehow it no? I mean, it just knows. If, if, if the virus approaches me and goes, oh, no, wait. This guy's out here protesting. He wants to defund police. We'll leave him alone. Uh, but if I go to the gym, I'm going to get COVID-19. If I go worship, I'm going to get COVID-19. Uh, if I go open my business, I'm doomed with COVID-19. That is the mentality of your Democrat Party today. And folks, you don't have to take my word for it. You can see this. It's happening right in front of you today. You had the May, the governor of Michigan demanding and arresting 
gym goers or um, people who open their business and all of these things telling you you can't go on the lake. Her husband can go on the lake, but you can't go get on the lake in a boat. You can't grow a garden. These are the restrictions that the Michigan governor felt like she had the power to tell you to do and not do. And then she goes and marches with no social distancing all weekend. So, as I've told you before, folks, what's good for the elitist is not good for you. The burdens that you must suffer will never be suffered by the elitist. Um, Let me give you another example. These Democrats who are calling for the defunding of the police departments, do you think for one second that the... Uh, the the Democrats who are calling for defunding of police will ever be without protection? No, folks. The Democrats will have protected class. They'll have their own uh, police force. You won't, but they will. In fact, let me. Let, you can look this one up for yourself. Find me one Democrat who has who has called for the defunding of the Capitol Police. I haven't heard one. You'll hear crickets. Not one Democrat has come out and said, let's, let's defund police departments and we'll start with the Capitol Police. They're not going to do that. You know why, folks? They don't want to do that because the Capitol Police protect their butts. And the elitist Democrats are better than you. They're more important than you, you see. So we'll leave the Capitol Police, but you there in your city will defund your police. And, and, and look, make no mistake, folks, when the Democrats are talking about defunding the police across the states and cities, they're not saying they're going to get rid of all police. You've got to listen closely. What they want is a federal police department. They want to get rid of all the municipalities. They want to get rid of all the local cities. They want to get rid of all the state police. And they want to institute a federal police. Now, I can't tell you what a bad idea that is, folks. And if you want to see how a bad idea, go to Mexico. Mexico has a lot of federal police, and uh, they've got a lot of problems with corruption. But see what the Democrats want. See, the Democrats can't control the police policing of states. They can't control municipality police departments. But if you get rid of them and you create a federal police department, then guess who's going to control it? The Democrat Party. You know, it wasn't that long ago when the, when the Democrats used to rail and scream and throw themselves on the ground about the military. They don't do that anymore. You know why? Because they've been able to get their people, their generals, into the Pentagon. The left basically controls the Pentagon. So they don't have to rail and complain about the military anymore. And that's what they're trying to do with the police department. Don't doubt me, folks. Don't, don't take my words lightly. The Democrats don't want to defund police and just leave the states with no police. They want a federal police department. You will hear some Democrats go, oh, Trump's a tyrant. Trump this. Trump's a Nazi. No, folks. The Democrat Party are using the tactics of the Nazis. They're using the tactics of Stalin, the tactics of Mao, the tactics of Marxism. In fact, the the black life, if you look, do yourself a favor and look up at the, the lady. The There's two or three people who started the Black Lives Movement. Look them up. They're Marxist. It's a Marxist movement. And with what the, the, they're trying to defund the police, this is another Marxist tyrannical move. Uh, go back and look. You know, Juan, you can probably back me up. You know history. Um, what did Stalin and Hitler and, and these tyrants, what do they have in common? 
they wanted full control of everybody. Yeah, you know, right? and one of the first things uh, they all, all, of, all of them did was take away private gun ownership. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they all shared in common. What was the first things right. they did when they came into power? Absolutely. Which is why it's necessary in America to maintain our freedom. To maintain the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And, why, and the reason they did that one is because exactly what these Democrats are doing now. If you can disarm the populace and then you can disarm municipality police departments, then you can bring in a federal police policing and that means washington would police your state and that means bureaucratic democrats would be making the calls and the shots so how far are we folks from uh if you disagree with this then you're going to be arrested if you don't believe in climate change our federal police can arrest you you may be laughing at me right now folks if some of you are hearing me say that but it I am telling if you don't think that's where we're headed with this defunding of police, then you're not paying attention and you don't know your history because, you know, there was a thing called uh, Hitler, a man called Hitler and a man Stalin and, and these other uh, despot leaders back in the day that all had federal run police force. Uh, you look at Nazism and you have the brown shirts. Uh, these were federally run policing. And, folks, we don't want to go down that road. And you know why? Because we're Americans. We've got freedom. We've got liberty. We've got independence. That's how we were founded. That's how we need to stay. And, folks, don't ever forget, you're in the greatest country. We are Americans. Thank you, Juan, for being here. And a big thank you to Harold Dennis again for calling in. And, folks... Stay tuned. We'll be back next week for another show. But keep keep remembering, we are Americans. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.